Publish Her Podcast, episode 121. Well, hello, everybody. As we release this, it is February 14th, Valentine's Day, the day of love. And what better day to release a podcast interview with our guest, Emily A. Myers. She's been a guest before on our podcast. She's an active member of our community, and she's just released a book on love and healing and healing from divorce and getting back out into the dating world and all of these topics that we talk about all the time as women um, who are in these types of situations but especially on valentine's day i was so happy to receive a copy of the book from emily and got a chance to really dig into it after this podcast interview aired so i wanted to share a couple of things this book is poetry, but it's more than poetry. It's also part memoir, part tips, part just getting a view into the eyes of someone who has gone through some extreme losses in love and has made her way back out again. It's really neat because she's got poems and then she's got her own experiences mixed in there, letters to the readers, or not letters, but thoughts to the readers about what she went through and how she healed and things that she did. But the cool thing is that at the end of the book, she has a survival guide for those getting back out into the dating world. One thing you may not know about me is that during COVID, I went through a divorce and a book like this would have been amazing to me as I got back out into the dating world. And while Emily is not a therapist or dating relationship coach her tips are right on and wow is the world of dating apps especially as a woman in my 40s a wild place but she offers some really great insights tips and information so i thought this was such a cool and unique book in the fact that you might think it's only a book on poems but there's so much more to it so if you find yourself in this place in life or if you know someone who is, I certainly encourage you to check out Emily's book, I Still Have Love to Give by Emily A. Myers. But it's not just about love that we talk about in this podcast. Since she is a an author of romance, um, suspense, romance, thriller type books, we talked about the difference between shifting gears from writing a book of that nature and fiction into poetry and nonfiction. We talked about marketing. We talked about um, how poetry can be a, such a powerful tool in healing and overcoming the marketing challenges when you switch genres. So while you may not be looking for a book on love or wanting to listen to that topic, I hope you'll still listen to the episode because we really dig into some great tips. Lots of people in our audience are writing in multiple genres or moving from one genre to another as I did when I made the switch from nonfiction into fiction. So there's a lot of great tips and information in this in this conversation as well. Also, speaking of love, we have a coupon code love yourself to save $50 off the conference. Now it's good only until the end of February 15th. So if you're listening to this episode after that time, we have an ongoing coupon code for our listeners, Alexa50. We really hope you'll join us in the conference this year. It's coming up very fast and we have such great, great workshops in the lineup. I'm super excited about the quality and caliber of our speakers and our content, plus all the networking and fun and extra sessions that we have. Head over to womeninpublishingsummit.com to grab your ticket today. Enjoy the show. 
Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been And I felt what you're feeling And I don't wanna get in your way All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Publish Her Podcast. I'm Alexa Bigwarf, your host, and today I am bringing to you someone who's been more than just a client and colleague, but a friend for, gosh, years now. When did your first book publish? I don't even know. Like, it's it feels like we've been friends, colleagues working together forever, but it's probably, what, about five years? Four? I think I've been maybe doing the conference for five years, but I think the truth about unspeakable things came out in 2021. Oh gosh, was it only that? Wow. Right after yeah. COVID. I feel like it was before COVID, but that's just how this we were, time time work works. Yeah, we were working on it together during 2020, I believe. There we go. Okay. Well, my guest today is Emily A. Myers. She is a uh, a romantic suspense and moving into mafia romance uh, author, but she's also just recently published a very beautiful book of poetry um, called I Still Have Love to Give. And it is just a, a wonderful collection, which we will talk about in a second. So we're going to cover a lot of, of ground here today, talking about um, this the decision to do that poetry book in the middle of trying to grow her audience um, on her romantic suspense, moving into a new genre as well with the mafia stuff. So we're just gonna we're just gonna talk author stuff today, if that's if that's all right with you, Emily, because that's so yeah. much, such an interesting conversation to be had. I think one of the cool things about a lot of authors is that while some well, there are a lot of authors who are also very like one lane, like they come in and they write this specific genre. But I think more commonly, you have people that are like you and I who write because we have a passion about it. And sometimes it's poetry. Sometimes it's romantic suspense. Sometimes it's mafia because we have learned we want to make money as an author and we <laughs> go into a genre that makes money. Let's talk about your journey specifically. How did you get started with the truth about unspeakable things? Um, well, I have always wanted to be an author and like even in middle school, high school, I always loved the short story contest. I attempted to write my first novel when I was 17. Um, and then I obviously went to college and I was teaching, didn't really have time to write. So when I did finally sit down and, and was like, I'm going to do this, I just basically let my imagination flow with the truth about unspeakable things. I really didn't have too much of a plan. <laughs> um, and I just, I started writing these characters and then it turned into something more. And then even though I wrote it as a standalone, people wanted a sequel. So I ended up writing a sequel. And then in that sequel, which is found by the unspeakable, um, there was a new character introduced who I fell in love with. And his name is because I've always had a personal fascination with the mafia. And he just so happened to be like a mafia boss in mm -hmm. Bound by the Unspeakable. I was like, I'm going to give him his own book because I love him so much. And so that became Mind to Protect. And since that book came out, I have just been 
debating what to do next, because I know I'm at the stage where I need to pick a lane that, you know, is marketable and I can really build an audience in that lane. So I have basically taken almost a year off from writing fiction and I have been processing that and I have landed on mafia romance. So I'm in the process of actually using Mind to Protect as the start of a series of standalone but interconnected mafia romances. But in taking that year off, I <laughs> went through a lot of stuff. <laughs> and that is um, how this poetry collection came about. Let's talk about the poetry book because it, and we're recording this on January 4th, 2024, which is her actual launch day of the book. So congratulations, happy launch day. Um, you know, so your your poetry collection, it's it's all the things about divorce and pain and heartache and heartbreak and trying to get back out there again. And ultimately, as you can guess by the by the title, it's a hopeful book. It's saying these are things, but I'm still I still have love to give. I'm still going to put myself out there. How? you know, we talk a lot about writing being vulnerable. I mean, I feel vulnerable about writing fiction stories. <laughs> this must be, I mean, is there anything more vulnerable than literally putting out there all your personal feelings and <laughs> and things that happen to you? What made you decide, I'm not just going to write this for myself. I'm going to put it out there for the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, I debated that for a long time. Like I just naturally write poetry when I'm going through really intense things. That's how I process. Um, so some of the poems in the book were actually written a couple years ago when I was going through my divorce. And then all of the others were written this year. Well, 2023, um, as I, you know, went through therapy and started dating again or attempting to, uh, even falling in love in a way, um, and then that's not working out. So I was mm. writing all during that time, and I debated, you know, is this worth putting it out there? And what I decided was, um, because I actually lost my dad young. I was 23 when he passed away, and so I thought to myself, well, you know, if I were to have a child or a daughter or something, and then possibly pass away young this is valuable information mm -hmm. like this is something that I can pass on and help her and help other people too who may be going through similar things whether you're a young woman who's going through a first heartache or you are you know divorced or you're perhaps even older and you're still processing maybe a divorce or you want to help your daughter who might be going through something. I think there's so many women who can find something in this that will be helpful to them. And that is the feedback that I'm getting so far from the people who've read it. Yeah, I would I would offer the same feedback. We went through our divorces at a very similar time frame. I think I was about six months ahead of you, maybe. I don't remember now. Like I said, this time warp time is just all, all <laughs> kinds of crazy in there. But I know it was in a similar time frame and we were going through that Um and I know reading those poems and in, in, in the first part where it is about, you know, the initial breakup and the real heartache and everything. And it's, it's, uh, it's so relatable, even though our situations were different, feelings 
are are so similar, you know, and reading that brought me back to to those memories and those feelings. And while, you know, nobody wants to sit in those and remember that particular point in their life, it also serves a purpose for seeing how far you've come and and that hope also that in that time frame when you thought that the world was ending that you do pick up and move on. I also love it, the idea of, of this as a legacy project and as, as something that you can gift to your hopeful potential future um, offspring or to other other people who, who, who might be in your life. So I think it's beautiful. Um, but I know one of the challenges is now you've got a book that's completely outside of the realm of your other books let's talk about the marketing and let's talk about mm. you've got um, advanced readers for your suspense, ro romantic, romantic suspense and for your mafia stuff. Now, all of a sudden you've got a nonfiction poetry collection. How did you go about even finding people to help you? What was your plan for launch or was this a passion project? And you're like, I just have to publish this. I don't care if I have readers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it definitely was a passion project and I did have a sort of a plan, which I'll share, but being a passion project, it was one of those things where I knew that um, I didn't have the same expectations for it as my mm -hmm. other books. Right. Um, and it, it was just something that I felt like could be helpful and that with a little bit of marketing, maybe it'll find the people that it's meant to find. The plan was also to use this as a way for my fiction readers to get to know me better. Um, and so I did reach out to a lot of my consistent reviewers who have read and yeah. reviewed all my other books. And most of them agreed oh, to great. read this one. Yeah, there was a couple who did it and they were just like, it's not my thing. And I totally yeah. understand that. Um, but a lot of them did choose to read it. And of course I reached out, did the same kind of research process that we would do for trying to find reviewers for fiction. I did that for this book as well. Um, taking into consideration reviewers who read a variety of books, like mm -hmm. if they already had reviewed some other poetry books that would stand out to me. And also people in the kind of dating advice, dating coach, divorce yeah. coach, self-help um, sphere. And admittedly, it did get a little overwhelming. Um, and I probably didn't do as much of that as I should have, but that was the plan. Um, and I'm going to continue to reach out to those people too over the next couple of weeks. You should send a copy of it to um to Mark Groves. Are you following him? Um, I am. You should you should find out if you can get his address and send a copy to him because how amazing create the love. Um, I've been following this on Instagram forever, and he was such a great source of wow everything to me when I was going through my divorce. His podcast is amazing. His posts are amazing, and um. Yeah, that'd be so fun. I mean, uh, uh, landing on his podcast would be life changing if you could somehow. I know, but do you want to know something like really cool? Um, so I was reading Jay Shetty's book. Oh, I love uh, him too. Yeah, Eight Rules of Love, I believe that's the one I was reading last year. I'm still technically reading it, but when I was reading it, I started doing a TikTok series, like sharing the highlights 
or the takeaways. And that was really helpful to read that while, because that was part of my therapy, like processing everything as I was writing this book. And he actually commented and liked. (laughs) That is so cool. That is so cool. And also what a great marketing strategy too, when we talk about like, I'm sorry, I reframe everything back to how we can use it for, for marketing. But when you're, if, if you're, if you're thinking far enough ahead, sometimes it's just accidental. Sometimes you're just doing something for yourself and for your own healing and it winds up to be something else. But if you were thinking I'm writing this poetry collection and I'm going to be publishing it and thinking to yourself, well, who might be interested in that people who are looking to heal from a broken heart. So if you're Mm -hmm. doing something like this, a book club, uh, uh, reading other people's books that are similar to the topic that you are writing about is a phenomenal way. People are always asking, how do I find readers for my books before I've even published a book? Well, do things like what Emily did. That is that is such a cool idea to do your own book club. I'm going to have to go to your TikTok, TikTok mm-hmm. and see how you did it. Um, because unless you want to just share about it right now, um, why don't you do that? Why don't you share about it right now? <laughs> also, yeah. where do people follow you on TikTok while we're talking about it? Yeah. So all of my social media handles are at Emily Myers author and Myers is M-Y-E-R-S. Um, so I basically just had a journal, like while I was reading his book, I was annotating it and then I was taking notes and I was reflecting because um, I can't remember if his book actually has, it does, it has guided exercises in it. So I was reflecting on all of that. And I was like, this content is, it's, I mean, obviously I put the puzzle pieces together and I knew that we would have similar audiences. And so then I just started creating um, reels. I think I took maybe one video of me flipping through the book, showing my annotations. And then I just mm-hmm. use that one video and put new text over it and like put out all the reels um, just with the things that I was learning. I love it. Also, I am adding this book to my bookshop, to my uh, my cart right now because that feels like something. I mean, you know, this is a, this is a podcast listened to by men and women, but a lot of, a lot of women out there. So we sometimes dig into these more female type, type topics. And, um, you know, I think that the one thing that is common with all of us is that we go through pain, grief, heartache, love, loss, and we're always, regardless of what it is that we do as people, we are creatives, we're writers, but we still, go through these challenges. And I know for me, when I am the most blocked, it's creatively, it's because I have work to do on myself that I have to Mm -hmm. get past before I can move forward, which ironically is why I wrote four days in Paris. Um, because I, I was working, I don't know if you remember this or not from, from me talking about my own writing, but at the time I was actually working on a world war II, uh, book with a female, a spy book about a female character, blah, blah, blah. I could not, I could not write another word in that book until I wrote this story of this girl in 1999 who's had her heart broken and is trying to find herself again and meets a guy on New Year's Eve right before coming back to the US and they fall in love. And 
I had to write that story. And I remember thinking, why are you writing? And this is my quotes here. No offense to anyone writing romantic comedy because I have come to know and understand why it is critical for people. But at the time I was like, you've got this important World War II book that you're working on. Why are you spending your time writing this silly little romantic comedy? Well, because it helped me heal and it helped me get mm. through it and it helped me go through a dark time. So um, anyway, that was a really long segue to say that, like, I think it's important to also be working on ourselves while we're trying to work on our creative journey. And for you, I mean, you've just explained the whole fact. I don't I know you said it to me. I don't know if you said it in this interview specifically, but like you almost couldn't move on until you had that's where I remember you telling me that like this is silly I'm going to spend my time publishing a maybe not silly but I'm I don't know why I'm spending a year publishing this it's so outside of what I'm doing but use mm -hmm. your words you you tell us you, you yeah. tell us about that so basically at the beginning of 2023 um I had plans to start writing uh, another book I, I was actually going to attempt to write some contemporary romance because I, I knew that I needed to find my lane and I didn't really know what that was yet. I didn't mm -hmm. think it was mafia. So I was trying to figure that out. And so I had this idea for this story. I think I even told you about yes. it. Um, yeah. And I, it's like, you know, something is an amazing idea, but sometimes you just can't get the words out. Mm -hmm. And so then I decided, um, because at the time I had also, it was still very early in my health and fitness journey at that time. So I was like, I need to focus on me. Um, this was the fifth year of the fifth year anniversary of my dad's death. So that was also on my mind. I need to prioritize the health and fitness. I need to prioritize my mental healing. Um, and so I just, I took some time off and even throughout this year, I attempted to write other books um, before I finally was like, no, the mafia is my thing. But I couldn't get there until I had finished this yeah. poetry collection. Yep. Yeah. And now that I am there, the words for that have just been flowing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing what working through our own personal stuff can do for opening up our creative flow. And that's, I mean, I went through exactly the same, the same process. Um, and I, I think it's great. I, do you, do you think you'll ever do another poetry collection or was this year one and done, or is it too hard to say at this point? Honestly, I don't have plans to do one right now, but I could see myself doing another one. I think for me, Poetry is such an outlet. I think that there's there's definitely room for it because there's other things that I've gone through in my life. Um, you know, I mentioned that I'm on a health and fitness journey. Mm -hmm. I think one of those things is some of the things that you grow up hearing and dealing with body dysmorphia and body shaming and all of the stuff. And so there's a lot there that I yeah. can definitely unpack and probably will one day. And of course, there's always um, childhood stuff. So, <laughs> and then of course you go, you go through new things. Like if yeah. I were to actually get married again or have a kid or whatever the, the case may be, poetry is always going to be a part of me. Yeah. So I could see myself doing something more in the future. 
I love the idea of writing poetry. I went through, um, I, I, I wrote poetry when I was in um, high school, middle school and high school, and even a little bit in college. But you know, it's funny when I was reading yours, I was thinking, I don't know any of the rules of poetry. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know what an iambic pentameter is. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I remember learning about these things in my high school English class, but I can't remember what they really mean or do. And um, I have no idea, like, how to, whenever I wrote poetry, I just sat down and wrote words. It didn't, sometimes they rhymed, sometimes they didn't. So if I were to ever do a poetry collection, it would not follow any rules. It would just be my words, my heart. (laughs) Do you want to know a secret? Yes. Mine doesn't follow any rules either. (laughs) Yay. There you go. It's the... So I, whenever I was in college, um, we had the Louisiana State Poet Laureate as one of our main professors. So all of the classes that I took were pretty much poetry writing classes, but I could not tell you the only thing like mine is free verse or free form, whatever you want to call it. So, um, and I honestly think that that's why it's so relatable and it's accessible because it's just plain speaking, you know, it's, and yeah, I do try to have a rhyme, but it really is. It's just, it's almost like a song. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's easy to read and it's easy to connect with. So I like it. I have some poems that I wrote over the years that I may have to dig back up again, but um, yeah, it's poetry. It's, um, it's a really nice way to to deal with emotions, I think. Um, all right, so let's talk about then, and you've mentioned it throughout this journey to figure out who you are as a writer. How did you land on mafia romance? Let's talk about that because I think this is such a fun genre. I was telling mm-hmm. Emily before we started recording that I met um, an author at 20 Books uh, Vegas conference um, named um, Kincaid. I just forgot her Sa- first name. Sadie. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Sadie Kincaid, and she writes very steamy mafia romance, and she was really sweet. She's Irish with a very thick Irish accent, and we connected over over some things that have happened in our in our lives. But anyway, like it seems like such a fun genre. So, how, how did you land on this, and and why, and what are your plans? Um, I'm just so fascinated by it. I, I truly love writing mine to protect. And I've always had a personal fascination with like mafia history. Um, and that only grew when I discovered in my research for mine to protect that there used to actually be a heavy mafia presence in New Orleans. Mm. Um, which is how, you know, that's where the first two books, the unspeakable duet are set. And so that's how Alistair found his way into that book. And, um, so I was like, well, this is a setting that I love to write and it has that very rich history. Um, so it, it is something that allows me to, I think, tell a variety of stories because I think within the mafia romance you can have some that are 
very, very steamy, like the one that I'm working on now. Yeah. And you can have some that are maybe more emotional because they are in this world of crime and there's so much going on. And you can have some that have a mystery element like Mind to Protect does, but it doesn't necessarily have to. So I think that there's a lot of flexibility within it. And there are so many writers and so many books in this genre that I think readers appreciate a little bit of variety. Um, So so even as I work on creating my series, I plan on some of the books being, you know, steamy or something, not as steamy, maybe more emotional, maybe more mystery, maybe more action. Like there will be a variety um, within the stories. And so I love that. I think that's so cool. And also, you know, I think that you, what you probably also went through and maybe did it purposefully and maybe didn't was also your knowledge of writing to market and seeing what's selling and making sure that you're choosing. And I know in our, we've done an interview before and we talked a lot about like finding the, the right place to land and where readers are and what's selling and all of those types of things. And this is Mm -hmm. definitely something that is doing really well right now. And so it's, people get a little bit turned off by this idea of writing to market, but really it's, the smart way to be an author. If you want to make a living, a full-time living as an author, yes, you have you have to do the things like write your poetry collection if that's what your heart calls you to do. But you also have to be really educated on what's selling and making sure that you are re- writing for that those genre expectations. So I think this is a good one. I, I think a lot of women love a bad boy. And um, can there be any badder boy than a guy who's <laughs> literally in the mafia? Um, I am obsessed because it's also my favorite genre to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say as far as the, the writing to market thing, as an author, I used to have the same um, kind of misinterpretation thinking like, oh, it's cookie cutter. Oh, it's like, it's following this basic outline. Like every book's going to be the same, but it's, it's really not, at least in my experience, it doesn't have to be. Um, because like I said, there is a variety that you can, um, a variety of differences that you can make within your books, even though they are all considered one genre. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about romantic suspense and dark romance, mafia romance, the reality of it is, is that the majority of mafia romances are also considered romantic suspense and dark right. romance. Right. And so what's performing well in those genres, a lot of the time is mafia. So I think mafia is just really where the more suspenseful, darker side of romance is right now. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. What's well, fun. So you are writing, uh, you've got so let's, you've got the truth about unspeakable things. And then um, your second book was the the second book in that series. And then you did the mafia romance, Mind to Protect. Mm-hmm. And then you have the poetry collection. So you are working on your, that's what, four books. So you're working on your fifth mm-hmm. book now? I am. And it's crazy because when I started this, I think I was, I may have been 25 when I wrote my first 
book. I was 25 when I wrote it, 26 when it actually came out. And I made a goal to have five books published by 30. And I will definitely be meeting that goal, which is amazing. Um, And Mind to Tease is what I'm working on now. (laughs) Mind to Tease? Yeah. That sounds steamy. (laughs) It is. It is. And it's like, that was the other thing I was going to mention about writing to market is it actually just makes it easier on you as Mm -hmm. the writer, because how hard is it to, once you finish a book, try to figure out how to convey what the story's about. If you haven't thought about, well, what are the tropes? What Mm -hmm. genre does this fit in? So with Mind to Tease and well, the whole series, I'm sticking with this branding. All of the titles will be mind to whatever. Mm -hmm. And then whatever the verb is, it kind of gives you an idea of what the theme level or the vibe of the story will be. Uh Uh-huh. That's fun. That's really cool. I like that. Um, Now, do you worry about the fact that if you're um, operating in different steam levels in a series that you might get some backlash from, let's say, people who don't like as much steam or people who want more? Not really. Um, Of course, that may happen, but I'm not really worried about it. I think Michelle Hurd is an amazing mafia romance writer, and she publishes so many books that I cannot keep up. Uh, There's so many of her books that I want to read, but I have read her whole Saint series. And within that series, it's, it's marketed as, you know, mafia romance, but there's only one of five books that's like a traditional mafia romance. Mm. And they all have varying degrees of um, theme and, and everything else. So I think that, you know, in my descriptions of the books and in my social media marketing, I'll make it very clear, yeah. you know, what the story's about and the theme level and the trigger warnings, if it has any things like that. Um, But what I'm really excited about with this series that I'm working on is that even though they're all going to be standalones, they essentially, they all have this kind of interconnected arc. So without really spoiling anything, at the end of Mind to Protect, there is a time jump of one year. So basically there's going to be three or four books maybe just three, that's going to be set during that one year. Oh, I like that. And then the fifth book or the final book, whatever number it ends up being, the final book will actually be taking place, picking up where that one year time jump ended. So that'll be picking up with Alistair's return to New Orleans, and it will be an Alistair and Ariana sequel. So it'll be a series, but it's like, it's yeah. kind of like you're getting to see what's happening in the other main characters' lives. Yeah. Like all along the way. So I just have to ask, like, what was your process in mapping out this series? How did you even like decide to do that in the books and the time jump and all of that? That seems very, very well planned. <laughs> I feel like yeah, I don't even know. So <laughs> Mind to Protect, just like the truth about unspeakable things, was written as a standalone. Mm-hmm. And it reads like a standalone. Um, and it will be probably years 
one to two years before the sequel comes out. So as mm -hmm. far as anyone knows, it's a standalone. Right. But um, so that time jump that was there, that happened naturally because of the conflict in the book. It would take okay. that long for the conflict to be resolved. And truthfully, it's only been within the matter of days that I fully figured out the concept for the series. I had so many people telling me they wanted a sequel to Alistair and Ariana's story. And it was something that I didn't didn't necessarily feel like writing right now. I wanted to explore other characters, but, and because that book to me is the perfect mafia romance, it's a lot of pressure mm -hmm. to write a sequel that matches everything. Mm -hmm. Like it matches the vibe and just everything. So I didn't want to write it right now, but I could definitely see how there's room to further explore their relationship. And so then I was like, okay, well, you know, this happened and I can just take that and create these other books that kind of happen in the interim. So I'm trying it. not to reveal too much. Right. No, no, I love it. And, <laughs> and you know, um, I just, I do want to say um, that you are a beautiful writer. So I can't wait to read uh, the next books as they come out. I remember reading The Truth About Unspeakable Things from cover to cover in that um, final proofreading thing and just being absolutely blown away that it was your first book and how just uh, you you just are a beautiful, beautiful, you have a beautiful way with words. So thank you. Um, yeah, you, you have a natural talent, which is which is wonderful. So I look forward to all of these, all of these books and, and watching you move forward and grow with all of them. Um, and this has been a fun, I love, I love having these conversations with you. It's, it's, uh, you've got a lot of cool things going on and this has inspired me actually. I want to get off of this call and go write. <laughs> so that's, that's always a good thing. Um, all right. What else would you like to share with our audience? You've told everybody where to find you on social media. Do you have a website or a free download or anything that you'd like to direct people to? I do have a website, um, www.emilyamyers.com. All of my books, are on Amazon. That is the primary place that they're sold. The only place that the poetry collection is sold. Mm -hmm. So check me out on Amazon, follow me there so that you get all the updates of when a new book comes and definitely check me out on Instagram. You are not going to want to miss my next release, which will be mine to tease coming most likely summer of 2024. I cannot wait. Thank you, Emily. This has been great. And hopefully 2024 will be the year that we get to meet in person. We've been uh, throwing around some ideas for a while. Maybe this maybe this can happen. I will be in Vegas for the next, uh, um, now it's going to be called Author Nation Conference. I think that November 11th through 14th or something like that. So maybe we can make our Vegas thing happen around that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great day and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.